We're doing studies on what things that Jesus taught and said. We're in Luke's Gospel today, chapter number 9, for our text. Also looking into Matthew chapter 8. So Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, and also Matthew chapter number 8. One of my father's brothers was named Barney. Barney was a carpenter. In particular, a house builder. And Uncle Barney had a unique ideas about how to build houses. He built a house inside of an old stone silo, which was very unique. He built a house for himself on top of a mountain surrounded by huge oak trees. And he switched everything around the house. Downstairs were closets and downstairs were bedrooms. Upstairs was kitchen and living room. The whole upstairs walls were all windows, great big wide windows. So the feeling that you got was that you were living in the treetops. Great big oak trees, snow covered in winter and thick green leaves in the summer. And in the fall, surrounded by beautiful red leaves, it was a beautiful house. And you felt like you were living in the trees. So it was when my father was going to build his house, he bought a plan. When Uncle Barney saw the plan, he said, I'm changing this plan. (laughs) Uncle Barney turned the little small rooms into big rooms, and he opened up the ceilings into vaulted ceilings, and he increased the pitch of the roof. And when he finished, the little small house felt big and comfortable, even though it was the same size. After my parents died, my wife used that house for a daycare. When the daycare closed, we finally had the opportunity to move in to that big little house. And I can put a 16-foot-tall Christmas tree in that big little house. Yeah. (laughs) You hear a church, the one that goes there is 16-foot-4 inches. And so it's only four inches taller than the one in my house. That makes me happy, too, I'll tell you. So when we finally got ready to move in, we decided to get a couple pieces of new furniture. So we went to the furniture store, and we sat in recliners until we found the ones that we liked the best. My wife has her favorite, and I have mine. And so we can sit in our comfortable recliners, And we enjoy our pleasant, big little house, warm and toasty in the winter and pleasant in the summer. My wife says that when I sit in my recliner and turn on the TV, I never see the end of any show because I always fall asleep. And she might be right about that. So you might be wondering what my big little house has to do with what Jesus says. In Luke chapter 9. Well, quite a lot, as we soon will see. Our text today is all about following Jesus. Do you want to be a follower of Jesus? What is required of us if we will be followers of Jesus? Dr. Luke has joined together the stories of three men who were interested in becoming followers of Jesus... Now remember, Jesus was considered to be a a rabbi, or in our language, a teacher. 
And in Jewish societies, rabbis would gather around them students, usually hand-picked, select group of students uh, that would always be with their teacher and commit themselves to learn all that the rabbi could teach them. But Jesus was different from the rest of the rabbis. He was always on the move, always traveling from place to place, from village to village, from city to city. He wanted everyone to learn from him. But he did also have a select group of followers. We refer to them as Jesus' disciples. In our text today, three men are interested in becoming disciples of Jesus. And Jesus will address all three men to instruct them what would be required of them if they finally did agree to follow Jesus. So let's begin. First, we need the background. What was Jesus doing? <coughs> Luke chapter 9, <coughs> verse number 51. It came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face, and they went, entered into the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. They did not receive him because his face was though he would go to Jerusalem. Jesus is on the move, motivated to travel to Jerusalem, He's not lollygagging around. He's not taking his time. He's almost in a hurry. But he always has time to stop and talk to people. It's still true today. Jesus is on the move. He is not lazy. He is not slow. The more you get to know him, the more you will see. He is executing his plans, and you can either keep up or get left behind. But first, along the way, Jesus is approached by someone. Now let's see who he is. Luke chapter 9, verse number 57. came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Now, Matthew tells the same story in his gospel, and he adds a most important fact. So let's see what it is back in Matthew chapter number 8. The same story, but let's see what we learn here. Verse number, number 19. A certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. So now we know that the man who came to Jesus was a scribe. And I must say he was a very enthusiastic man. He comes to Jesus all excited, full of enthusiasm, and says, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. Wherever you go, you can count on me. I'll be there. Now, my friends, we all love enthusiasm. And we love that Jesus, I'm with you attitude. But you wish you had a whole church full of enthusiastic people, right? 
Enthusiasm, you say, is a good thing. It gets things done. But Jesus gives a very different answer than you would expect. You would think Jesus would say, very good. I enjoy your excited ways. Come along with me and be my disciple. But no. Jesus gives this most unusual answer to the scribe. Foxes that live in the woods and the fields have holes in the ground. And every night they go to their holes and they go to sleep all cuddled up and warm. Birds fly from bush to bush and tree to tree. But somewhere up high in a tree, those birds have a nest. And they go to their nest and they snuggle down and they raise their young. And the nest is the home they build very carefully and diligently to be exactly the right size, comfortable, just the way they like it. But then Jesus says, as for me, I don't even have a place to lay my head. I'm homeless. Now, why did Jesus say that? to this man, this scribe. In Jewish society, a scribe was a well-educated man. We would call him a lawyer. And he probably worked from his home. A scribe is not out scratching the ground trying to raise a crop. A scribe doesn't have to do chores and feed the animals. A scribe is not out tending a flock of sheep. A scribe doesn't have dirt under his fingernail. Why, a scribe probably lives in a big little house. And a scribe probably has recliners, comfortable chairs. He has an easy life. He's well off. And this scribe, all excited, comes to Jesus and says, I want to follow you anywhere you go. I'm coming with you. And what does Jesus do? He pours a bucket of cold water on the scribe's enthusiasm. And he says to that scribe, maybe you just better think about it a little before you make your decision. I'm going to be moving on. And I won't have a place to lay my head. Can you leave behind all the comforts of your home and become homeless like me? And you may say to me, wait a minute, Eric. Do you mean Jesus wants us to be homeless? Well, my friends... Nobody understands human nature like Jesus does. Enthusiastic or not, do you really want to follow Jesus anywhere he goes? Now, just imagine, use your imagination with me. Imagine now, lean back in your recliner... And relax and feel comfortable. It's six o'clock. 
Do you really want to go to Bible study tonight? Can you get up out of your chair and go out on a rainy night just to go to Bible study? (laughs) Good. I can't tell you how many people I know lost the battle with their recliner. (laughs) Do you want to serve God? Do you want to follow Jesus? Yes, God has blessed you, and yes, God has given you a home. But if that comfortable home hinders you from going out in the winter winds or in the spring rains or in the summer heat or in the fall chill, then Jesus said it would be better to be homeless than to let that comfortable home keep you from being where God wants you to be. That scribe was used to a life of comfort and ease. And Jesus said, when you follow me, that comfort has got to be left behind. You have to make God's house and God's place your abode and leave the easy chair behind. So the enthusiastic scribe, Jesus says, are you sure? Have you counted the cost? Can you give up your comfortable life? When Jesus calls you, can you take up the homeless attitude and say, home is where Jesus wants me to be and a recliner will never keep me away from God's house? We do get the impression when we read this that all that enthusiasm melted away When Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I don't have a place to lay my head. Let's go on to the second man, verse 59. And he said to another, follow me. This is quite the opposite situation we just saw. The scribe came to Jesus and said, I will follow you. But to this man, Jesus goes to him and says, follow me. These words are now famous words. Follow me. To Peter and Andrew and James and John, who were fishing in the Sea of Galilee, Jesus came and said, follow me. And to Matthew, who was in his tax collector's booth, Jesus opened the door and said, follow me. And they left all behind and they followed Jesus. And it was the making of those men. And now to this man, whoever he was, Jesus says the same two words, follow me. It's the great invitation, those wonderful words, the ultimate opportunity to be a disciple of Jesus, to join the elect and chosen ones, to get close enough to Jesus so that he would consider us to be a faithful disciple, the opportunity of a lifetime. Follow me. Let's see what happens. Verse 59 He said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Well, that's a pretty important thing, to bury your father. 
In the Jewish cultures, burial were at least a week-long process, maybe longer. It wasn't just a half-hour service followed by a luncheon. There were meals and days of mourning. There was music and long processions. It was a very all-consuming event that would take days. And Jesus almost rudely says, let the dead bury their dead. Wow. Yes, does Jesus mean that we shouldn't pay our last respects to our parents? No, of course not. After all, one of the Ten Commandments is what? Honor your father and your mother. So why did Jesus say, let the dead bury their dead? One of the things about Jesus is that he is teaching principles. And just like he said, follow me, I'm homeless. He didn't mean we all had to be homeless. He meant be where God can use you. And that's not always going to be at home. So now he says, let the dead bury their dead. You go and preach the gospel. What Jesus means is there is a priority. Following Jesus is to be the number one priority in our lives. Jesus says, go preach the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. That's your number one priority. But you say, I have other things to do, and they are important. I have to do those important things. What priority do you give those other things? Jesus says to the man, follow me. And he replies, I got something else right now that's more important to me to bury my father. Then I'll follow you down to Jerusalem. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, that must become your all-important priority. Nothing else can take its place. People say, I have other priorities. And soon they disappear from church. And Jesus gets pushed down on the list. We'll get to you later, Jesus. And Jesus said, no. Let the dead bury the dead. Or if you are made alive in Christ, Jesus is your main purpose and your number one goal and your top priority. And never can you let anything overtake that spot. So Jesus left. He went on to Jerusalem. The man was invited to come. Jesus said, follow me. But he said, no, I got other priorities and went home and buried his father and we never heard of him again. Opportunity lost. The moment passes by and you do not qualify as one of the disciples of Jesus. Now the third man and what he said to Jesus, verse 61 Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I'll follow you, Jesus, but there's people at my house. Mom and dad, 
uncles and aunts and cousins and friends, neighbors and acquaintances, and I can think of a whole list of people that I want to go and say goodbye to this one and that one. Oh, yeah, there's that fellow who lives down the street. And Jesus says, if you're running a plow, now, you and I have probably never run such a plow as Jesus is here explaining. In Jesus' day, the plow had one bottom or one plowshare that digs into the ground, it turns over the dirt. And that old fashioned plow had two handles that came out, and you held on to the handles, and there's a rope tied to an oxen. And the rope pulls the plow, but you had to steer the plow. So you had to watch carefully and guide the plow into a straight line. And if you're plowing, you say, hey, look at that bird in that tree. Or, what's that over there by that bush? If you're plowing, you say, who's coming up the road behind me here? Pretty soon your plow goes off cockeyed and your furrow is crooked. How are you going to plow a field unless you guide that plow in a straight line? Too many distractions. Too many diversions. You can't plow the field unless you ignore all the distractions. To be a disciple of Jesus requires you to focus concentration on the work at hand. If you follow Jesus, you must focus the plow and go in a straight line. You can't do the work of a disciple if you're distracted by everything that comes your way. This man needed to go home to mom, to dad, and sister, and brother, and uncle, and aunt, and friend, and neighbor, and on and on. And Jesus said, if you're too distracted... You're of no use to me. People who are good workers are always focused on the work. Like a good plowman, they never take their eye off the furrow. The ground is neatly plowed. The weeds are all turned over. The seed can be planted in straight rows. No distraction for the disciple of Jesus. And so it was, another man turned away from Jesus, too distracted to be of any use to Jesus. So we have here the record of three men who failed to follow Jesus. We don't know who they were because they never made a mark in life. One was hindered by his comfort. He couldn't get out of his recliner. He loved his comforts and his easy chair more than he loved Jesus. The second man just had more important things to tend to. So he went home and buried his father. His priorities were misguided. He failed to take up Jesus' offer to come and follow me. Matthew had left his tax office Peter and John had left their fishing nets. We know who they were. 
whoever it was that buried their father, we don't know whatever became of him. The third man, distracted by a host of people, relationships he considered to be all equal, all of equal value, he let the greatest relationship of all, a disciple of Jesus, slip through his fingers, too distracted to focus on the plow. My friends, these things are written to help us as we follow Jesus. Don't let the recliner win the argument. Get up and say, oh no you don't. You got no hold over me, Mr. Recliner. When it's time for me to go to church and hear God's word and sing with God's people and worship God, I'm as good as homeless. You got no hold on me, Mr. Recliner. And life demands say to me, your attention here, please. I was here first. You can say, you're not my main priority. You're not number one on my list. Jesus needs me, and I want to be useful in his hands. And so from now on, I'll be serving Jesus first, and nothing will take precedent over what Jesus wants from me. And then a thousand voices will call to you. And a thousand distractions try to make you lose your focus. And you can say, sorry, my attention is on the plow. I'm focused on Jesus and I cannot turn away my eyes even for a moment. A good plow boy makes straight lines and is never distracted. I'm plowing for Jesus so I'll be ignoring you from now on. You see, my friends, Jesus said it is required of a steward that he be found faithful. One of Jesus' greatest moments was when he cried out, hanging on the cross, it is finished. He prayed to his father, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. It's our job to be good disciples and to finish God's work, undistracted and focused Jesus, our main priority. We never stop the rest. We never sit down at ease. And we never surrender. We finish the work that Jesus gives us to do. These three men in our text fail to be good disciples. And their stories are recorded so that we will not fail. So that we will be faithful right to the end. I often look at old photographs from the last 34 years of our church events and services. And some of them I pick up and I say, this one's dead and gone. This one here is in heaven. That one's in heaven. But that one there is just plain gone. They never finished. Distracted, unfocused. They wandered away. My prayer is for us all that we will be faithful to the very end. May God bless you as you answer the call. Follow me. Come, follow me. And become a good, faithful servant.
May you earn the reward someday and hear Jesus say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your teaching and being wise and instructive to us. And as we hear these things, we ask that you'll help us to be attentive to our lives, use them well in your cause. We want to be useful in your hand most of all. So bless us, Lord, as we serve you. We make our decisions in life and do what you have instructed us here to do. We thank you for your words. We know that sometimes they seem harsh, but they really pay in the end. It's really worth it when we decide we'll follow you, come what may. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In closing, I'd like you to look on your bulletin. Not turn in your hymn book, because this song is not in your hymn book, but it's on the bulletin. We're going to sing that old song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. It's on your bulletin. Share with somebody if you don't have one. I have decided to follow Jesus. Standing together as we sing.
have you in focus. We pray for these things and we ask for protection and care over all of these people. Bring them back to this place, ready to learn and live and to be filled again with your spirit each and every time we come. We are thankful for all of these things in your name.